Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we're talking basketball. There is a lot of news, really. I mean, because when's the last time we talked? Was that Saturday? I can't remember. Uh, the point is, since then, the Buffs won yesterday. The men's team won yesterday. We, uh, we're going to be talking all about that, so I hope you're all excited um, things went well. Like the Buffs just played a good, solid, clean game of basketball, and so they won. Um, not used to that. Not used to that this season. Um, got some notes on Julian Hammond, of course. A couple other guys, Tristan De Silva. So we'll talk through that real quick, though. We got to talk about this women's basketball team. Um, where to even start? The only undefeated team in the United States. And that's not like some little like cheap trick way of saying, oh, there's a team in Canada that actually is also... No, like they are the only Division I women's basketball team that is undefeated. Pretty incredible. Um, as we talked about so many times before, you know, I, I, I was pretty cautious about all of this. Just because you go through non-conference play and it's a pretty easy schedule and a schedule they dominate, beating just about everybody by double digits. But... It means what happens when you get to conference play. And what happened was the Buffs went out there and played really well. Uh, they, they beat USC and UCLA this weekend. The USC game, they won 71-58. to uh, UCLA, they win 71-63. And that was after like a run from UCLA at the end. Like That, that probably should have been a 15-point win instead of a 7-point win. I mean, obviously, it doesn't really matter, but... That was a that was a great weekend of basketball, 
And while USC and UCLA, those are not the top teams in the Pac-12 right now. You know, it, it's Stanford and Arizona and, and some of those schools. They are still pretty freaking good, especially compared to some of the other competition the Buffs have played. So they're, I mean, what, I'm pretty sure this is only the second time all season they didn't win by double digits. And again, it was against UCLA and they very easily could have. This kind of got some consolation points at the end. The Bruins did. Um, like I said, the only undefeated team in the country, that's because USC, right after playing uh, Colorado, uh, so that game was on Friday. USC goes home and hosts number four Arizona on Sunday. That was the other team that was uh, undefeated prior to Sunday. And uh, USC beat them 76 to 67. So there you go. And again, this doesn't necessarily mean that it's time to say, well, the Buffs are the best team in the country. Uh, you know, the, the, the geniuses who get votes for the AP poll, they have them at number 22 right now, which is the second time they've been ranked this season. They snuck in. Um, when was that? That was like a month ago. They, they were sitting there. They've been like the first team out for a while, but, but they snuck in on a week where they didn't even play a game, but whoever was 25 before lost, so they were able to get that spot, but then they were back out the next week. Um, and part of the part of the reason they haven't been ranked also is just because they've had so many games canceled for COVID. You know, if they would have had three more games in there, that might have made the difference. Um, was it three that got canceled or postponed? Uh, something like that. Um, yeah, they only played five games in December. So, again, the, the Buffs sitting here at 13-0. That's a great record. Again, there's still a lot of season to play. Just because you're able to manhandle a couple of Pac-12 teams doesn't necessarily mean that you, you've made it. We've done it. The, the buffs are there. You know, we talked quite a bit about the other season from, uh, when was that? Was that two years ago? They start 11-0, and 0 and then they go, so like 2-13, and 2-13 and in conference play. Somehow they wound up 500. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's reason to be a little bit skeptical at the same time. They weren't just blowing teams out through that entire run. And, and like, this was supposed to be a big step forward for this team last year, a team that, that was very competitive in the PAC 12 last year. You know, they beat Stanford, the number one team in the country last year. So I'm not, I'm, am I still hesitant? I'm, I don't think I'm hesitant at all anymore. I think I'm over it. Um, and, uh, Let's see, any other notes? A couple quick things. Uh, first of all, Jalen Sherrod, point guard. Uh, she was named the Pac-12 Player of the Week this week um, for those two games. I think it was 20 points per game. I think wound up with eight assists per game, three and a half rebounds per game. Only two turnovers. She's currently second in the country in assist-to-turnover ratio. Um it was a great weekend. She had a couple steals in there too, four steals, um, two per game, I guess. Good stuff. Uh, what's most exciting is that this Friday, the next time these buffs take the court, it's going to be Stanford in town. Now, this series between Colorado and Stanford has been a lot of fun, and this is kind of just what's next up. Real quick, here's just kind of the, the history of this series. So jumping back to 2019-2020, so this is two seasons ago, 
Colorado, uh, their first game against Stanford, uh, Stanford is ranked number six. They, they go to Northern California to play the game. The Buffs take them to overtime but lose. Uh, the next game, Stanford, now ranked number seven. I'm not sure what happened between that. That was like a month later. But, but now ranked number seven, coming to Boulder. Uh, I think that was the one that Stanford won on the buzzer beater three-pointer. It was 69-66, if I remember correct. Actually, let me just click on this real quick. Okay, I took a little pause there. So yeah, the first game, um, that was the one where Stanford had the buzzer beater to force overtime. And then the second game, the one in Boulder, they scored six points in the last 14 seconds, including the buzzer beater, to to win. Um, so that was two seasons ago. Both those go down to the wire. Last season, uh, in the, the, the first game that the two teams played, that was the one in Boulder that went to overtime, and then the Buffs won. And at that point, Stanford was ranked number one in the country. Uh, and then the last time they played at Stanford, Stanford beat them by eight. So a lot of tight games there. Three of those, two going to overtime, one other with a buzzer beater, and then the other one was an eight-point win on the road. So this is going to be a lot of fun on Friday. The Buffs are hot. They're... Uh, and they look really good. They look really locked in. Just that defense and the way they get their hands on balls is just unbelievable. Um, I'm fired up. Again, this is Friday night. I'm going to be up in Boulder for that one. I think a few of us from DMVR are going to be up there. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you up there too. Um, oh, and also, so tomorrow on Tuesday, I'm going to have Jalen Sherrod, the Pac-12 Player of the Week, and Quay Miller, who transferred in here from uh from Washington this season I'm gonna have those who on the podcast so we're gonna be talking about the hot start gonna be talking about transferring talking I mean you know how these go we're gonna talk about all sorts of stuff including this game against Stanford on Friday it's a big week the the buffs outlasted the entire country the last undefeated team and again like as much as there's reason to be like okay so a lot of the games were against inferior competition first of all I mean you play in the Pac-12 and when you're scheduling non-conference games as a Pac-12 team, you're going to be playing inferior competition. That's just the way things go. But the fact that they're going this far, and the fact that you look at the roster and say, like, they, they didn't lose all that much. They, they, they should be good. They did add some more pieces, like Quay Miller, just a, a six foot three center who can be a big anchor in there in her minutes. Like, this is a, this is a really good team. And I, I'm fired up. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully you guys get up there for the game on Friday. And uh, there's uh, plenty of other basketball going on as well. It isn't just the women playing. The men are too. Before we get into all that, though, I want to remind you guys about... Ooh, nope. There was like a big news truck pulling into uh, the, the little shopping center across the street from my apartment. And I was like, oh, is something going on over there? It's like, nope. Guys just going to Cosmos. Um, Breckenridge Brewery, though. Uh, we love Breckenridge beers. I had so many of those on uh, on Saturday. That was the day of that tailgate. It was it was a lot because you know how those things work. Like, we, we start 9.30 a.m. We have the tailgate, like the, the YouTube thing that we do down at the bar. So there's some heavy drinking there. There's shots of whiskey there. It's a big, big morning. And then after that, we get on the bus go to the actual tailgate, spend three hours there, and it's just more beer, and 
again, the, the problem is that it's Breckenridge beer, and so it's so good that you don't even realize what's going on. Uh, next thing you know, you're just like, oh, wow, what was I thinking? Um, so there is this story of my Saturday. Wasn't that game fun, though? Some of you guys are Broncos fans. The fact that the Broncos had a competitive game against the Chiefs, like, I get that it's best to lose for the draft pick or whatever, but just felt good. It just felt really good to see the Broncos out there competing with the Chiefs. Didn't feel good watching him give up an 80-yard touchdown on a fumble, though. Uh, and that kind of ended things. The point is, it was a great day, and it wouldn't have been nearly that good of a day without Breckenridge Brewery. They've got the uh, the good company hard seltzers. They're so good. Uh, they've got the... Uh, was I thought it might have been an all-seltzer day for me. Yeah, or no. At the game, I did have some beer. But, but the morning and early afternoon... Just went straight with the good company seltzers because those are, and they're just the best seltzers out there. There's tough to beat. Um, the Mountain Berry, I think, is my favorite. So definitely get your hands on some of those. You won't be disappointed. Also, got to tell you guys about uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, the NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. We are counting down to Super Bowl 56, and because of that, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wild card team to win their game this weekend. Bet just $5, win 250, no, 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. All customers can also get in on the DraftKings Hammer the Over promotion. For every 5,000 bettors who take the over for Saturday night's game, uh, the point total will lower by half a point. So the hammer the over has hit zero every time that DraftKings has run it. So betters won when the first point was scored. It's an awesome promotion. And again, if you're a new user, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR this wild card weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Um, this men's game. Uh, we, we've talked, yeah, we talked since the last one. Okay. So, so we only have to cover the Washington game and let's do that. I mean, the story of the night I think has to be Tristan Da Silva. I think there's one other, uh, option there really. And we'll dig into it later, but Tristan Da Silva, what a performance. Um, just start here. 22 points, six rebounds, two assists. He did turn the ball over four times. He had four fouls as well. Um, but still with those numbers, of course you turn the ball over a couple times. It falls in your hand all game. Um, he was 9 of 15 from the field, so an efficient performance. And uh, that's despite going 1 of 5 from 3. Again, 22 points despite going 1 of 5 from 3. He, uh, you know, this is a conversation that we've had before, but we haven't for a while. You know, I think that on this roster right now, Tristan Da Silva is probably... I don't want to say, like, he's in the worst position. Like, he he is sacrificing the most. Or, but he does not belong as a three. You know, he is a power forward. And he, he's a stretch four is what he is. And we saw on Sunday that maybe he's even at his best as a small ball five. But playing him at the three just changes what you expect of him, right? Because he's spending more time on the wing, in the corner, you know, 
taking shots, getting the ball in his hands and trying to drive, you know, putting the ball on the ground with his it's just it's just not his game. And I think that he could get better at it and I don't think he's it's a situation where you say, "Oh, no, what are we doing? We can't have him there." But when you see him go and play the four, which was when this breakout really happened. So they they send Jabari Walker to the bench. They send Evan Batty to the bench. They bring in Lawson Lovering. And all of a sudden, it's Lovering and Tristan De Silva in the front court. And it, it lets Tristan work with his back to the basket. You know, I don't know that we'd even seen that he has the post footwork that it turns out that he does. Um, the, the the touch around the rim... You know, that's it's one of those things we talked about with Lawson Lovering where, you know, his footwork has come a long way. His patience has come a long, 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 long way since the start of the season. And he's going to keep growing and growing and all that stuff. But at some point here, one of the things that needs to click for Lawson is just the touch around the rim. Just be gentle. I think too often the ball comes out of his hand and it's just like, huh, line drive. The, that's... You just don't give yourself much wiggle room. And then when you see Tristan in there, you know, that's something that he kind of has down. He has that touch around the rim, the footwork. And he was only down there putting putting in the work in the post like a couple of times. Like he's playing around, but to actually get the ball in, in the um, post and cook, it, it wasn't consistent that that was happening. But the couple of times that they did get him the ball down there, it worked out and it looked really good. And it opened other things up for the rest of the team too. You know what really opened things up? Lawson winds up going to the bench and all of a sudden Tristan's just playing the small ball five. And that's probably the best he's looked all season, I think. The ability to to live in the paint because he's a big guy. I think, you know, it's easy. I think he's listed at six foot nine. I think that he's a true six foot nine. It isn't like a... Okay, you're six foot nine, but really you're six foot seven. He's a true six foot nine. I think they could get away with listing him six foot ten if they wanted, but he's he's thick. You know, he's not built like Jabari, and he's not built like Keyshawn or, or Quincy. Also, is is very skinny, but but he's he has a wide frame, you know, and he still hasn't like filled out, but he has some width to him, and you can tell that in five years wherever he's playing, he will be kind of a bigger guy. He'll be able to bully guys a little bit. He'll be able to hold his own in the paint against maybe some taller players. Again, the the defense still leaves some to be desired, but again, it looks a lot better when he's not defending guys out on the wing and, and those those feet just look so heavy out there. Or you put him in the post and he's able to change the angles a little bit, I think he gets away with quite a bit more down there. They're figuring out where he fits in, and playing him in the post is very clearly what is best for him at this point. It's not necessarily what's best for the team, though, because you already have Evan Batty and Jabari, and off the bench you have Lawson, and maybe next year it makes more sense to give him more touches in the post, especially if Jabari's gone. But right now, figuring out how to slide him in, it's a challenge, and and. It's just kind of the nature of bringing in so many of these guys because I think there's a real chance that they bring in Tristan a year ago and at this point we're saying, oh, wow, Tristan, what a what a great wing. <laughs> he's so so agile out there. You know, he's playing a three, and that's not how things panned out. That's not the player that he is. But when you bring these guys in so young, you don't know exactly what they're going to look like a few years down the road. You know, you don't know 
Keyshawn might be better off playing the two. I, I, I think that that's probably the most popular opinion right now is you play him at the two, maybe even Hammond at the one, and then KJ is the spark off the bench. Now, obviously, we have Eli Parquet there, and I don't think he's any better playing the three than De Silva is just because it's kind of the opposite problem. It, you, you could try it for sure. Those three-guard lineups, they would be just fine in spurts. But big picture, how are you at your best? You know, this year, I think that you have some overlap that's a little bit uncomfortable. And things like injuries to Quincy Allen, it just makes it tougher. Because he is somebody who, again, we haven't seen him play, so he might wind up being totally out of position there. But he looks like he belongs at the three. Like, he has the body type and, and the offensive game to, to kind of get the ball and make something happen, get his own shot there. And that's missing. And then you have the overlap, and it's just kind of strange. But next year, you know, if you wind up losing Evan and Jabari and Eli, well, first of all, you're down some talent, and guys, really, you're going to have to step up. But also, that's where that Julian Hammond at the one, Keyshawn at the two, um, either Quincy or potentially this transfer uh, from uh, Texas at the three, and then at the four you have De Silva, and at the five you have Lovering. Well, then all of a sudden, I think everybody, again, at least on paper, you still have one more spot there at the three where you can't be totally sure, but that lineup might flow just a little bit better. You know, right now, this, this Buffs roster is built for versatility. You know, it, you don't have a starting five where you're like, oh, this starting five... Look at them. They're so crisp. They're playing perfectly together every single night. No. But depending on the matchup, you play three guards because you have Eli Parquet who can guard outside of I mean, what you'd expect, just somebody who plays his position to be able to guard. And, and you have the burst to be able to put those guys on the floor and not feel like you're, you're lacking talent out there. Um, but you also, I mean, you have Tristan Da Silva starting at the three. That's a big lineup. If you wanted, you could put Luke O'Brien at the two next to him. Uh, you could go really big if you wanted to as well. And that versatility, that's the strength for the Buffs right now. And they're lucky that they have Tad Boyle. Haven't mentioned this yet, but Tad Boyle won his 300th game at Colorado yesterday. He's the one pulling all the strings and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And the fact that we get to see these Tristan Da Silva minutes in the post, it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff, and I think we're going to see more of it going forward. I think, I mean, what's up next? Uh, Arizona, that's a big game. They're, uh, they're ranked top 10. I can pull up what they're actually ranked. Um, but you're playing a top 10 team. You're on the road Friday night and, uh, sorry, Thursday night, 9, 9 p.m. FS1. They're uh, ranked number six, by the way. I think that you go straight back to this and say, hey, Tristan Da Silva, he just put up 22 in a conference game. We're going to go quick to this small ball look and see if he can get things cooking down there again. We're going to play through him. You know, maybe, I don't know. It's because I'm a Nuggets fan, but I just love the idea of playing through a center. And if you have Tristan Da Silva in there distributing, only two assists, but we know he can pass. Hey, you're finding things that work. And that's what matters right now. And there's another big thing that they found that works, and we're going to get to that in a second. Um, but boy, did Tristan De Silva look good. And we talked a lot about him in the paint, but he had this beautiful Euro step, gets the ball, um, at, at the wing, couple dribbles, big fake pass just to get the defender out of the way, and an easy layup. Like, he looks off the layup, and it's just beautiful 
beautiful. And there were some misses too, particularly, I mean, the misses came from three, and that's stuff where, you know, we don't know exactly what Tristan Da Silva is as a shooter. He may never be a 40% shooter. But you look at the stroke and say, he has a real chance. And if he becomes a knockdown shooter, I'm not going to be surprised at all. I think it'd make a lot of sense. Again, just a little streaky still to this point. Um, but he has some misses there, has some misses because he's pushing it a little bit because he is so hot. But they're feeding him the ball. He had a he had a little give and go with Evan Batty that was just oh I just love it. Started from about the same place as the little Euro step. He's bringing the ball up. He passes to Evan, gets it back quick, gets to the rim. It just it's great stuff. It's great stuff from Tristan, who seems to have figured out a lot of this game. Again, you you got to put up twenty more than once. You know his career high was fifteen. Did that against Southern Illinois earlier this season, but. Hey, this is this is what I'm watching, you know. Going forward, what am I most excited for? I'm excited to see Tristan Da Silva and to see if this is replicable. Like, did did the Buffs just stumble onto something, or was it kind of fluky? And I'd be surprised if it was fluky because again, you just look at the touch, you look at the way he shoots the ball, and just so big on top of it that you, it seems like this should work. Um, so there we go. Uh. Other big story, though. The Buffs have the Pac-12 Freshman of the Week, and that's Julian Hammond. What a wild ride this weekend was for the point guards. You know, you have Keyshawn going up, putting up, uh, what, 17 points, I think, in the the first game of the weekend against Washington State. It's pretty inefficient. It's around 40% shooting, um, which isn't isn't bad, but it isn't... it, It feels more replaceable, I guess. It feels more replaceable. Um, so you have Keyshawn doing his thing like that the first night. He winds up with nine points, four of 11 from the field against Washington. Not much scoring punch out of it, but he avoids the turnovers for the most part, makes some good passes, grabs some boards. Not going to rag on him too much, but the shot does need to fall more often than it's falling at this point. At the backup point guard spot, you have KJ Simpson, who gets what looks to be a concussion pretty early on in that game against Washington State. Now, it wasn't immediate. Julian Hammond had gone in the game, so he did know that Hammond was a part of the rotation for the Washington State game. But when KJ went down, it meant that Hammond had to bear more of that burden. Um, So he winds up playing 12 minutes now on Sunday. I think it was 14 in that first game. And he has played such impressive basketball over the course of the last two games. It uh, it makes you ask some big questions. And again, Washington State and Washington, not the class of the conference by any means. But you, you do anything in conference play. I mean, they're better than any of the teams that they're playing in non-conference, right? Like outside of the Tennessee game and maybe one or two others that are comparable. I and mean, th- this is the best you've seen. And when Julian Hammond plays this well, sets his career high against Washington State, or sorry, um, that's in minutes. I was looking at the wrong column. I mean, Washington State plays 14 minutes. He's one of four from the field, five boards, four assists, two points, doesn't turn the ball over, steals four passes. Again, that two points, this is, this is an incomplete performance. In 80% of... The, the the different ways that you could grade Julian Hammond. He played very, very, very well. But the other 20%, we're going to call that scoring the basketball. There was nothing of note. 
And you can kind of get away with that a little bit from the point guard position, especially when you're playing good defense and, and you're making good passes. But at some point, you need a little bit of punch there, especially for this Buffs team this season, I think. And so he comes back against Washington, plays 12 minutes. He's 5 of 7 from the field. That includes 4 of 4 from 3. Puts up 14 points. And he didn't get the rebounds, the assists, or the blocks, or the steals, or anything like that, but he only turned the ball over once. It's it's you I guess what you wish is that his 16 points were spread more evenly throughout these two games. There's assists and his rebounds and steals. And then then we'd be sitting here saying, wow, what a great performance from a backup point guard. But because it was kind of like scoring, scoring, scoring in one game, and he did that efficiently and very, I mean, it was great scoring. But he doesn't do much else in the stat sheet. The other game, there's not much scoring. But he does everything else at such a high level that you're so excited. If if these two performances could have been mixed together and averaged out a little bit, I think it'd be easier to to see what he is as a player right now. Um, but the fact that he did both of these two different things is still really exciting. And I don't think no, I don't have an update on KJ Simpson. So I'm I'm sure we'll get that at some point in the next couple of days ahead of this game against Arizona. Either that or Tad will try to keep secrets from us because because he's Tad Boyle. But uh, Julian Hammond, I mean, Pac-12 freshman of the week. There's a lot of good freshmen in this conference. He played really well. And, you know, Tad says it's a three-headed monster at point guard. Yes, it is. Julian Hammond, Keyshawn Bartholomew, KJ Simpson. You've got three players who can... I mean, the, the ceiling is just so high for every one of them. Keyshawn's such a good shooter and, and brings some other scoring to the to the table, can make some good passes on top of it, has some experience. KJ, with the, the bulldog mentality, he gets downhill, he gets to the rim, he creates contact, he gets to the line, he makes some good passes. He can be a little bit out of control at times, but you see how he could be a really good player. And then Julian Hammond, Kind of being that that floor general type, there's who knows what this rotation is going to look like at the end of the season. I mean, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but the idea of Julian Hammond starting for this basketball team is not nearly as outlandish as it might have sounded before the season. He uh, he's playing really really good ball now, and now he's just got to keep it up. I think this is going to be a big test. I mean, obviously it's going to be a big test. You're playing the number six team in the country, and you're on the road. Who who belongs? You know, it's kind of like we talked about in that UCLA game um, where early on it was obvious Jabari Walker belonged on that floor. He did. Everybody else, though, for the most part, you look at it and you say, Ugh, just you you got beat by your opponent. You got beat by your opponent. You're, you're getting another one of these games against Arizona. And a few of these guys are going to have to step up and win their matchup if they're going to win this game, pull off the upset. And I don't know what the line is. I wonder if I can see uh, see what the FPI says or whatever. So uh, ESPN's Basketball Power Index gives Colorado a 4% chance of winning this game. So that's what you're up against. But, and we'll talk more throughout the course of the week, what do you need? You need Jabari to be at his best. You're going to need 20 points from Jabari, and he's going to have to... He's going to have to look like a lottery pick. 
you're going to need Keyshawn to make his shots. He needs to probably shoot better than 50% from three. You know, he needs to be like three of five is probably what you're looking for. Um, you need Tristan Da Silva to maybe not totally replicate what he just did, but if he can score 15 points on 50% shooting or better, then those three things happen. All of a sudden, you're going to give yourself a chance. There's other ways they could play out too, but that's probably the most likely path, I think. You know, you need Evan Batty down there. You need it, You need a five of seven performance from him. Um, you need to avoid turnovers, obviously. But, you know, who steps up here is going to be fun to watch, honestly. Because it could be Jabari. You you hope it's Jabari. Jabari actually has some pressure to to compete in this game. Anybody else on this roster, if they lose their matchup, they, they lose their minutes, you say, ah, sucks. But, you know, Young, going up against Arizona, the there's plenty of time to grow. And... That's not a, totally an excuse, but I, I think, honestly, because that's kind of the realistic take, right? Colorado isn't a team that's competing with the number six team in the country. Like, that's that's not the expectation. Um, but anybody who can exceed expectations is sure going to be exciting. Um, can Tristan Da Silva replicate what he did? Can Julian Hammond continue this stretch? There's a there's a lot to watch for in this game. And then Arizona State too. You know that's that's a big one. What does Tad always say? You gotta win your home games. You gotta split your road games. They won their home games. Now, uh, how do you get the split? You you probably beat Arizona State, and that's not a great Arizona State team. Um, so those are those are some thoughts on all of that. Anything else from last night that really stood out? I don't think so. Um, I guess not individually. You know, they, they wind up with, I think, 12 turnovers in the first half, two in the second half, really cleaned that up. Uh, the rebounding, the, they, they won the rebounding margin 47 to 27. That's notable. I think it's easy when there's a, a wide gap in the score to say, well, yeah, they won by a lot in the rebounds, but didn't they also have a bunch more opportunities because there's more missed shots on the other side? And Colorado missed 33 shots. Washington missed 37. So there's a difference of four rebounds that are defensive for Colorado but would be offensive for Washington. You know, the those rebounds are like 80% of the time going to the defensive rebounding team. So obviously that 20-rebound gap is, I mean, it's massive. Colorado had 11 offensive rebounds to three for Washington. The dominance on the boards are what really propelled them to this win. Uh, just winning the the possession battle, even I mean, it was keeping it neutral. Honestly, when they uh, were playing that first half, just because they were turning the ball over so much. But then in the second half, when they stopped turning the ball over, that's when the possession really swung. And so Colorado kind of slowly built a lead in the first half. Uh, what what was the uh want to find the halftime score. I thought that'd be easier. Um, there we go. Uh, 39 to 28 at halftime. Colorado was up. Again, just slowly building. They played good offense. They got good shots. They shot the ball efficiently. And they, uh, they got a lot of stops defensively. Um, then the second half, it just kind of grew from there and expanded. And honestly, similar to the women's game, Washington kind of cut into this late. It could have been an even bigger win than this. Um, overall, just a, a, another exciting performance, um, which is fun to say. 
I think we're all a little bit nervous coming into Pac-12 play to be sitting here now at three and one. That's really good. I mean, you're sitting at fourth in the in the standings, I believe. You're three and one in a conference where only four teams have winning conference records. So you got a little wiggle room even between you. You got full game between you and fifth place, and that's Washington State. So you have the tiebreaker too. Again, it's way too early to dig too deep into any of this. But I mean, what I guess you're you're twenty percent, twenty percent of the way through conference play. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Exciting stuff. And a big week ahead. We'll be talking plenty more. Hopefully, we'll be talking about some football transfers. It sounds like there's some guys in town over the weekend who will be visiting. Um, So, we'll get to some football, too. But right now, the basketball world is fun. Four wins in Boulder last weekend combined between the men's and women's team. Women, 13-0. Ranked number 22 in the country. They've got another game against Stanford, which is becoming kind of a rivalry. Every one of these games is just incredible. That's coming on Friday. Before that, make sure you tune in to the podcast tomorrow. Uh, talk to a couple of these girls. See what's up. Um, see how excited they are. See uh, what's what's going on. Why is this happening? So make sure you tune in for that. And then we'll be talking men's basketball all week too, of course. Big week, big week. Still haven't planned anything with the PHNX guys, but obviously like they're covering Arizona and Arizona State, so there should probably be some sort of crossover. Uh, I'll get that figured out in the next day or two too, so be on the lookout for that as well. Big week. I'm having a lot of fun. hope you are too.